0: International, uh, Baltimore scored. Oh damn! But in the exit, stupid ten. I don't know how I feel about that rule.
1: The runner starting on second? Yeah. I mean, it's basically just to keep the games shorter, right?
0: Shorten the game to get people, players out faster, not to wear out pitchers because, like, they're not they're not going to be stretched out properly and shit like that. No minor leagues to call guys up.
1: I mean, it's 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 kind of wait. Are they keeping this rule for like for the foreseeable future, or is this just a COVID thing?
0: I don't know. I guess it will depend. Uh, I have on no the idea. I think it depends on how the season will look next year.
1: I mean, good time to try it, I guess. But this is the equivalent of like. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of like starting at the twenty yard line for overtime in football. So I mean, I don't hate it, it especially like. I mean, it can be taxing on a team if you go like seventeen, eighteen innings.
2: It's a good idea for this year. <clears throat> My thing is that you, why can't you have a tie game? I, I just don't understand this North American thing about not having a tie.
1: It's it's that need for for closure.
2: Uh, yeah, it's just I I just don't get it. Like, just just call it a tie. What's the big deal? Like, why do you have to have a result? It is a result. I mean.
1: I remember there was a year in the n h l where um i think the panthers had like like twenty like twenty five or thirty ties mm-hmm. and i i don't know if they made the playoffs that year but like they were just reeling off points with ties
2: yeah
0: <laughs> back in the day when hockey used to have ties
1: it was it was probably like a couple years before they put in the um, the whole like it might have been before the shootout or it might have been way before it but like you could guarantee that the Panthers were tying
0: Rocky used to have ties, but then what they started to do to get teams to play more to play less conservatively in um in the in overtime was that they'd guarantee you the point and you play for the extra points you play with nothing to lose then after a the big the long lockout, they ended up like the the season they missed they ended up bringing in shootout.
1: But I, I didn't even get that either. Like, what's what's the point of giving the extra point to begin with to the, to the team for for what to, for making it to overtime?
0: Well, you, you're they wanted the because what happened was going on was that teams they didn't want to not to walk away with no points for going to overtime. So every team started playing conservatively and wouldn't try to score. The league wanted to increase scoring and increase pace of play and wanted teams to try to win rather than try not to lose. So they came up with the rule that you get the point guaranteed, so you're playing for the bonus point.
1: Yeah, like, I I, I get it, but it's just... So are are you going to give me a point for going into the third period with with a tie?
0: For for overtime.
1: No, but I'm just saying, like, as a stupid example, give me a point for going into the third period tied. Like, it's it's just dumb. I remember back, like, back, I think it was 15 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe... Um, when Do you remember the, the Continental Basketball Association, the CBA? Yeah. No. So this was like before uh, D-League or anything. There was the CBA. And so what they tried to do was they tried to do like, um, like interesting things within the game to keep the game interesting and to keep like I, – I don't know if it was fans involved or to keep from games getting out of hand. So basically – there was the winner who would get, I believe, like I don't know how many points. I think they allotted a certain amount of points for the winner of the game. But then what they would also do is give points for the winner of either it was the quarter or the half.
0: Oh, that's weird.
1: Hmm. It, it was it was stupid. It was it, I, I think the CB was no. It was known for being a gimmicky league, so like that that falls right within it. That was their shtick.
0: I mean, hockey's at least you got to play three periods first. Exactly. So it's not like you'll get a point for getting through.
1: So should we, should we get, I, I recorded this by way. I might, I might use this for something. So, uh, let, yeah, let's, uh, Asim, are you, are you, you prepared for your intro?
2: I like sports. I could do something in sports. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man.
0: Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are,
2: you know, in broadcasting. That's really not fair. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Box and One. The crew is back, and today we have our full roster with those back from the injured list. We're going to talk a lot of basketball tonight, primarily previewing the Raptors versus the Celtics. I'm Azum Faruqi.
1: Hey, I'm Ronald Salgado.
0: And I'm Pramit both back from the injured
1: list. I, I don't know. I think our team may have been better without Pramit, but I, I think we'll see after we get the results from this uh, from this episode.
0: What am I uh, like, Rudy Gay here?
1: <laughs> you might be. You might be.
0: <laughs> you got you get traded, and the team goes off uh, on a. You get traded, so the team can tank, and instead they go on a seven-year run.
1: <laughs> yeah, ex- except in our case, we we end up getting listeners in in Germany the UK and Ireland. And and thank you for those that are listening abroad. Uh, not something that we expected, but we really appreciate it.
0: And you know, we are a global phenomenon. I know. So, huh, just for the
2: record. <laughs> well, well, we're trending in Germany. We're trending in Ireland. What more could you ask for?
1: Yeah, like you said, global phenomenon.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So the series starts tomorrow, Raptors versus Celtics. Um, I mean, two really good teams, and uh, we've talked a okay, lot the about them. Actually, and
0: it looks like the series is starting Sunday. If you want to, start oh, it. is
2: it? Okay.
0: Uh, what um, hold on. Let me. Can, I saw earlier that they're going to push it for Sunday. Then to... it's, oh,
2: to it's, Sunday it it's Sunday okay. to so it yeah. at one
1: PM.
0: Sunday at one. Okay, let's start.
2: No, awesome. So the series starts uh, Sunday. Um, uh, two really good teams. We've talked a lot about them. Uh, two really talented coaches. Uh, well-rounded teams, and. Isn't this the first time they're meeting in a playoff series?
0: Yep. First time ever. It's great. When you think about it, because both these It's a little crazy, right? They've been on long, parallel playoff runs for the past six years. The Raptors, obviously, winning last year's title. And each of the last four years, one of the two teams had been in the conference finals. Raptors in 16 and, of course, 19, and the Celtics in 17 and 18. So quite, it's amazing that they haven't crawled paths
2: yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. In our case, I think it was actually uh, LeBron that always ended up getting in our way. Uh, and yeah, finally, like things worked out. I, I, I'm super excited to see what happens. Uh, it's going to be a tight series. And, and I like, I, I don't know how, how you guys have it scored, but um, I, I'm not a hundred percent confident with my pick. But I'll go with it, and hopefully it works out.
2: So let's start with that. What's your pick, Ron?
1: Um. So I I want to say that I was I was really back and forth on this. Um. I don't want to sound like a homer, so I mean, but I, I'm I'm going to go the homer way. I'm going to go Raptors in in six. Um. But I mean, I was if you asked me earlier this week, I was actually leaning towards Boston. And a big part of that was uh, was the status of Lowry. Um, even if he like, I, I don't think the um, the injury is all that bad. But even just missing a couple of games and the possibility of getting down two games against such a good team uh, really scared me. So I, I didn't, I wasn't hundred percent sure that we were going to be able to pull this off, or if we'll be able to pull this off. But with Lowry in there, I'm a lot more confident in how our lineup stacks up against the Celtics.
0: Yep. I, too, have the Raptors in six. Again, not to sound like a homer. um, We'll break this down further, but I look at the overall depth of the roster. I'll give the Celtics the edge in their starting five. However, I do like the Raptors' bench a lot better. I like the Raptors' overall team defense a lot more, although Celtics are better offensively. And when it comes to coach, I mean, it's really neck-and-neck. Neck. Both Nurse and Bratz... Stevens are considered elite coaches. I'd give the edge to Nurse right now. And I think that Nurse has gotten, just because he's managed to build a really deep bench when going into the season, one of the challenges with the Raptors was the unknown uh, from the bench. They have so many different options. And while, again, teams don't go super deep in playoff runs, usually no more than eight, maybe nine, depending on a matchup. I think
1: that will help push them over the edge. Awesome. Do you have a a pick? Do you have a
2: prediction? You know what? I was thinking, it's really hard. I mean, uh, like Pramath, you said, like Boston's probably a better offensive team, uh, better starting five, Raptors better defensively. I think series might go seven games. Um, I want to say Raptors uh, just because I want them to win. Uh, And the other reason being that... uh, Okay. So again, we know the two really talented coaches, we know both can make adjustments on the fly. Uh, I would give it, give Nurse a bit of an edge because we've seen him succeed with it. And even in uh, like this season without uh, Kwahi and like having those like true uh you know, top guys, um, I, I think from a talent perspective, you may have a slightly more talented roster with the Celtics and, uh, the fact that uh, Nurse still gets a little bit more out of his like his lineup uh, with a deeper bench, I, I would probably, which is probably the reason why I'm going to go with Raptors in seven.
1: So if we look at the regular season series, uh, Boston took three games. We only took one game. Uh, and I mean, in the most recent game, we didn't look good. Um, the Raptors, just, they looked, I don't know if you guys agree, but they looked really lifeless in it almost. And I, and I know it wasn't a nothing game, but considering that the Raptors had already come out and done some work, uh, in the first couple of, uh, of bubble games, um, I, I, I don't know if there was less to play for, but it, the, it, it I don't know if as much was on line, And I think Nick Nurse said this in, uh, in a recent zoom, uh, one of the zoom interviews where, um, you know they 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 kick they kick their butts basically, um. So I am a little bit concerned that that's the most recent example of this these two teams meeting. But I mean overall, uh, like I think if if we're in a seven game series and you get Nick Nurse being able to scheme against them defensively, and if we do what we need to do, I'm I'm confident that top to bottom, I, I think the, the Celtics are definitely a lot more top heavy. They're they're top three are probably better than our top three. But when we look at, like you said, Pranit, um, an eight-man, nine-man rotation, I have a lot more confidence in what we have than what the Celtics are able to like if, if you're, do. If you're bringing Wanamaker off off the bench, uh, I, I prefer what we have coming off the bench to that.
2: And, and even with Lowry out, I mean, you can feel like, okay, so I think Lowry has probably uh, gotten the most assignment against uh, Dayton this season. But even if he's out, uh, I, I think you still have enough guys, Ananobi, or who can probably uh, shut him down. So uh, I mean, there's that defensive depth as well.
0: Oh yeah, I mean Ananobi can guard any position, and yep. he can slow down and really whoever they want to put him on, or if they that's an advantage. Defensively, what makes the Raptors so good is that they have so many guys. Well, not so many guys, but a lot of guys that can guard. Multiple positions. Like OG can guard any position. Pascal can guard any position. Uh, Gasol, while you don't want him guarding perimeter players, he can do so and not look terrible doing it. He can hold his own. Um, Larry, Fred, uh, don't even discount guys like Serge or even like Terrence Davis off the bench. Or a lot are very good defenders. So really, other than Matt. Thomas, whose role is to be a spot up shooter and provide floor spacing, they have all of their players are at least average, if not above average, defensive players.
1: Yeah, and, and something that I also want to mention, um, since I was going back to to what happened in the regular season, if you look at the game that we won, we didn't have Siakam. Um, we got a surprise game from McCall, which is, I, I mean, I don't think we're going to bank on that. We helped. We managed to help hold Tatum to twelve points, uh, and also in the the Christmas Day game, uh, which was just like same thing as as the last game against them in the um, in the bubble. Like we we looked lifeless, but we also didn't have Siakam, we didn't have Gasol, and we didn't have Powell, who are three massive parts of our lineup. Uh, so you take away three guys who are within our top eight. You know that that really changes the. Just the rotations and and what we can do offensively and defensively, uh, and also um, since we haven't mentioned this yet, the Celtics are going to be without Gordon Hayward. That's a massive loss. Even um, so, if had we not had Lowry in this game, uh, you trade one for the other. I mean, I think we, we would be losing more with Lowry. But if if he is playing and he is even at seventy percent, even at eighty um, percent, I think we definitely come out on top of that trade off.
0: Yep. Yep. And I think just to add, looking at the games, the teams that played this season, the first game was game two of the season. It was a close game into the fourth quarter, uh, Boston won. The second game was Christmas Day when the Raptors were, number one, they had a lot of guys injured, and number two, that they'd been on a very, very tight schedule, it was a tough schedule. A few days earlier, they had played that come back against Dallas where they came back from 30 points and then they had to go into overtime the next night against in Indy. So by the time Christmas came around, you know, they were a little worn down and it showed a uh, Raptors won that son- Saturday night game in Boston. They had that back to back. And then this past a few weeks back uh, there was the Celtics blowout. I don't really take much from any of the games. I mean, I think we've noticed more than in the NBA, more than any other league. The regular season just doesn't mean as much as in other sports. I mean, last year, Raptors beat Milwaukee, came back down two over, beat them four straight after losing the season, series 3 1. I think it's a, a playoff series becomes a series of adjustments, exposing weaknesses. Both teams are, you don't have to deal with Tough schedules they're both on the same schedule. there's no travel this time around, and even if they were travel, they're on the same travel schedule. so a lot of factors that come into regular season results end up being are taken out of the the equation in the playoffs
1: yeah I, I i absolutely agree with you and um one thing I want to ask is you know we we played the nets um Boston. Uh, played a, a shorthanded Sixers team. Do you guys take anything from what either team was able to do in the previous round?
2: Uh, I don't know, except the fact that, I mean, a couple of guys who probably haven't ha- didn't have a really good series might, you know, I-, I don't know if it's cause of concern or anything. But other than that, I, I really don't know. I mean, uh, Philly was probably a slightly tougher assignment than the Nets, but uh, without Simmons, uh, it's a pretty different game altogether, right, for them as well. So. I don't know what to make of it.
0: I will just say the Raptors had had some. If there's one area of weakness on this team, it's that they do have stretches where they run cold offensively. And I think the Brooklyn series, while this shouldn't be the litmus test again, they were not. They did not have their top three, four players, or top three players for sure. Them, the Raptors did manage to have some really, really strong offensive showing. I mean, a hundred bench points in Game Four. Although you don't want to take too much from that, because I'm sure once Brooklyn realized that the game was out of out of reach, they were ready to catch their flight out of the bubble. But it was good to see some guy get some, uh, see some offensive flow, some offensive mojo, figuring things out. Like you don't expect them to score 150 points, 134 points a night, but If you can at least against a team like Boston hit that 110 mark with their defense and seeing Norm Powell get hot and the playoffs actually in plus minus so far that's a very positive sign. Obviously, Seattle has still been a little bit inconsistent with his offense. Uh, He had a couple of good games, um, lacked some efficiency at times, and that will be it'll be even harder for him in this series against a much better Boston team. So, if I were to worry about something, it would be that Lowry. Not official yet that he's playing. I'm going with the assumption that he is, and he's had a few extra days. Um, however, like even if he does play, ankle injuries. Obviously, he's going to be going up against Kemba Walker. It's hard to contain that guy as it is. Imagine trying to guard him on a wonky ankle. So, it's not in the bag. It's I'm not as I'm not going to approach to this series like the way I did the last one where I declared a sweep and it wouldn't even be close. This will be close and there are going to be a lot of challenges.
2: Yeah, I mean, even if it's close, even if the Raptors lose, it's not something that you'd... It wouldn't be a shocking result either way, no matter which team goes through.
1: Yeah, no, not at all. And this is... I mean, in both cases, this is definitely different from uh, from the last series that they played. Uh, Kemba Walker, even after... Uh, after they won against Philly, uh, his quote was, I don't know if it's much to celebrate. Honestly, we didn't do much yet. And I'm sure the Raptors are thinking the same thing. Even if the Raptors pulled off a win in this series, I'm thinking they're not going to celebrate either. Uh, they have one goal in mind. That's an NBA championship to repeat as champions. Uh, so I, I, I know um, Nurse definitely is going to have them prepared. And they're they're not going to be excited over a, a win against uh, against the Nets.
2: Now, just to interject, uh, slightly off topic, Randall Gritchick hit a two-run home run, so the Blue Jays win.
0: Well, I got one prediction right last episode, and, <laughs> <one tradition laughs> and I had said the Jays are not going to make the playoffs. They now have the wild, co- one of the two wild cards, aka the eighth seed. I've never thought I'd say an eighth seed in baseball, but. They played. They went on that six-game winning streak right after I declared them to be not going to the playoffs, and now they've played pretty well since then. They won that. They split the series against Tampa. One six in a row prior, so that takes you to eight and two, nine and three when you factor in the split for Boston, and now ten and three since. So. My well, now they
2: have a 67% chance of win making the playoffs, according to fan graphs and 1.2% chance of winning the World Series. That's actually not bad. 1.2%,
0: huh? I'll
2: take it. Mm-hmm. I'll it, take you it. You
0: never know. The round, I mean, the first round, they would play, as it stands now, the Athletics, a three-game series. I mean, a three-game playoff, you never know. Like I mean, Playoff's
2: a crapshoot, man.
0: It's a crapshoot. Crap Especially and order
2: the series. series. Yeah. Like, you run into know. a hot pitcher, you're done.
0: Or, yeah, you run into a hot pitcher. Or one of Oakland's players could have a cold and uh, not not play well. So,
1: but yeah. with, with, without jewelry in there, I, I don't like our chances. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the, infor- the unfortunate
1: news of him being sent. Uh, I know. Sent exactly. To the
2: yeah, yeah. I, I'm yeah. It's too bad. It's one true. of the greatest withheld players of all time. So back to our topic. So, guys, what do you think is the big matchup here? Are we talking about Siakam Tatum, or is there anything else you guys uh, think is going to be that uh, the deciding factor here?
0: I want to see OG in a playoff series against an elite wing guy like Tatum or even Brown. See what he can do. Really, he's never. I mean, he's really this year. He really developed into a defensive player. He was top 10 league in defensive win chairs this year, which is a huge, huge um, improvement on his D. And he's already very good before, even in his rookie year. He did very well for a rookie. So I want to see him, prefer, because he missed last year's run, I want to see him shut down another team's elite wing player score. I want to see him match up in a playoff series and see how he goes.
1: So for me, it's uh, matchup-wise, it's it's definitely our bigs against the Boston bigs. So you're looking at uh, Tice, Cantor, and I mean that's that's pretty much it. Um, so I think it's 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 very important that Ibaka have a huge series. And one thing that I want to see is uh, Marcus Ole do a little bit more. He was at seven and a half points or. Uh it it actually I think that's his regular season stats. I think I'm looking at his regular season stats. It might have been even been lower than that for, for the postseason. Gasol needs to do a lot more, uh, especially if we're if we're going to be able to rely on him uh defensively just for some of the pick and rolls that uh that the Celtics like to run. Um so that that's that's if we can win that, I think. We make our lives a whole lot easier, and and a big thing is definitely just in general what what O.G. and is able to to give us. Uh, he he hasn't done much in the playoffs. Um, I think since that that one game against the Lakers, where you know we got all excited and we we talked about it on our podcast, I think he's, a bit, he's been a little bit disappointing, and I think there there needs to be a lot more from O.G defensively, definitely. I mean, he's done a job defensively, but I want to see more from him offensively because if we're going to match up with the with big three uh, from from Boston, I think we're, we're going to need a little bit more from the bottom end guys.
2: Yeah, and and, and I think uh, Big men is probably where Toronto has uh, a, a much clearer advantage with the Barker and Gasol, right? Um, I mean, you still want Gasol to be a little bit better than what he was against the Nets. Um, I think he shot like under forty percent or something. Um, so you would probably want him to step up a little bit. But I think that could be an interesting matchup as well because uh, 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 I, I don't think Cantor is, uh, you know, up there defensively. And uh, yeah, I, I think if you're talking about uh, starting five centers, big men is probably one where Raptors may have a clear advantage.
1: Yeah, and I, and I just I just checked. Gasol's postseason stats: six point three points, shooting thirty-eight percent from the from the field. One of the big things that have been disappointed in is th- those chances that he gets at the three point line. He looks really hesitant, and I think last year what really helped us was the fact that he hit some of those shots in the playoffs.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can't shoot thirty-eight percent if you know we need against a good team. Yeah, we need more. No, not we- against. Yeah,
0: he'll brings it on D. He's still. I even with that the the thing what I again I I don't want to be um the overly optimistic fanboy here, but even if he doesn't need to score to have such an, an impact on the game because the defense is
2: no major. defense and he moves the ball around really well as well. So I mean he does have value, right? So oh, a lot of value. And
0: it, that's the thing about this Raptor team that is really impressive is that we don't. I mean, when back in the days of Demar Derozan, if he didn't score 25 points in a playoff game, he didn't. It, it was a bad game for him because he didn't do anything else well enough to to justify him getting the, the minutes that he did. He needed to score 25 in a playoff game. But with this team, it doesn't really matter. And I guess it could come back to um, bite them in the ass against some more elite teams, not having that big time scorer who can take over a game, but. All these guys can contribute without scoring in different ways. And that's why they're such a good defensive team. That's why they're able to win no matter if they don't have that. Even if certain guys have bad scoring nights, you don't really notice because Pascal could shoot 38% from the field and go two for nine from the three and will but we'll still win because it's, of the defense and everybody else chipping in. So we don't, the good thing about the team is that we don't really need to say one or two guys need to step up. We'd like to get, so obviously you want to get more, but even if everybody stays at their current level or a little bit better, they are still in good shape.
1: Yeah. But I I do really believe that without a strong series from Pascal, we're not winning this. Uh, I need to see Pascal do a lot more, Last series was a little bit better than he's been in the bubble, but I want to see him take that next step and and really really turn into somebody that the Raptors can rely on a little bit more. I don't want to see him taking those those three pointers above the break. Um, I I don't want to see him you know driving into three guys taking an off balance uh, fade. I, I want to see Pascal really do a little bit more and be smarter with the shots that he takes. Um, and ultimately in this series, what it's going to come down to anyways is just our ability to get out in transition. And what that means is going to be creating turnovers. Nick it in a zoom conference, we need to, if, if we're his exact quote was, if we're going to play all this darn defense, we better get something out of it on the other end. And in all, in, in any series that they're going to they're play, it couldn't be truer in this series because the, the Celtics are really good at taking care of the ball. And if we're not able to get out in transition, our, our offense struggles a lot more when we have to play against a set defense. And Pascal really benefits from being able to get out and run.
0: Yep. He needs to run, get to the rim, layups, dunks. Interesting stat Pat, for Pascal. And it wasn't a very efficient scoring series for him. A couple of stats, a couple of interesting stats was that he did average 4.8 assists a game, which is a very good number for him in 33 and a half minutes, and 7.8 rebounds. So, yep, again, definitely. I mean, if he's not scoring it as efficiently as we'd like. However, he's still contributing in other ways. I like the 4.8 assists, close to five assists a game, meaning that if teams are doubling him, he is um, making the right pass and getting the ball to the right guy and so to get the right shot. And that's, that's a good sign. He's not, even he hasn't been efficient. He's not forcing, he's not always forcing, uh, bad shots. Like we used to, at times quite a bit, he'd do roles and try to do, um, back in those day back in the days with, uh, during those playoff runs.
1: Yeah. And, and that was one of the big issues that Embiid had against Boston was that I think he, he struggled, against those doubles and he wasn't able to find that pass, Pascal has definitely gotten a lot better at that. And as, as long as he doesn't get confused by what they're throwing at him, I, I, I think he, like he, sh- he should have a good series. Uh, I, I do like the matchup and, um, you know, a- another important factor to consider, and, and this is a little bit of what worries me is that throughout the season, Tatum kind of struggled against us. He was only shooting thirty seven percent, sixteen and a half points. Uh, in the loss, he had twelve points, three rebounds, four assists. Is is it a product of our our defense? Which yeah, I I think that's probably it. But if he can find it in the series, I'm a little bit worried. But at the same time, I I, I don't know that he is going to find it. I, I I trust I trust our defense that much.
0: Tatum says the Raptors are the best defensive team in the league. He said that. Uh, on a podcast uh, during the suspension he called them the best defensive team and the way
2: that they were able to stop him so so he does come on podcasts let's give his agent a call
1: <laughs> Jason Tatum come on the show
2: exactly you'll have some uh, followers in Germany and Ireland that way
0: yeah well, within a week and a half you should have time
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let, let's talk about this a little bit more, guys. Uh, so I know uh, we've chatted a little bit uh, and the, we've seen some articles about it. Siakam versus Tatum. How do you guys uh, rank the two players? Who would you rather have if you're starting your own team? Ooh,
1: I, I've I've done. I me, have you decided on this yet? Because I, I
0: made the decision and uh, I changed my mind a couple times, but. I have made the decision. Um and I would right now I would say Tatum yeah, is the better
1: player. I'm I'm hundred percent yeah, I, I, I'm hundred percent on with you on that. Um who who wants to go first for the reasons why?
2: I just think offensively he's a little bit more talented. Defense is probably Siakam might be a little bit better, but it's a lot closer than I thought when I actually saw the numbers.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that Pascal has the clear advantage, and and I think we all thought that defensively that he had the clear advantage. It's 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 not as it's definitely not clear. Uh, I mean, even offensively, I, I think if you look at the numbers, they're they're fairly similar. But when when I watch some uh, some video, you, you just look at what Tatum's able able to do on the pick and roll. And how he's able to to just maneuver in the lane, and I think Pascal is just a little bit more limited. Uh, Pascal does great on the break; he's he's able to get out and run. Like his athleticism is is just is, is beyond belief when he's when he's running, and he's especially compared to other big men. But Tatum, when you get in the half court set, I trust him a lot more with the ball than I would giving Pascal the ball.
2: Yeah, and like I was looking at defensive box uh, plus minus, right? I mean, like it's point five and point six between the two guys. It's so I don't know, but Tatum is offensively has a much clearer advantage.
0: Yeah, so here's where I stand. I I did a deep dive into some of the numbers, and it's really it's, some of the stats are so close. I mean, usage rate um, were identical. Tatum almost. is like twenty eight. Siakam is twenty seven point eight. So really close. Uh, plus minus, I had Tatum 7.7, Siakam 6.6. Defensive win share that's almost negligible, 3.62 Siakam, 3.68 Tatum. However, why even with the win share status gives Siakam the slight edge on D. Siakam contests 10.3 shots a game just say Tatum 6.8. And I think that Siakam is just bigger, longer, and more menacing. So if you're going one-on-one with him and he's guarding you, it's much more, it's a much more of a challenge to go at him on defense because of he has that wingspan and the height, and just that sort of menacing presence on D. But I mean, the number speaking to Tatum is right there. Where, even though I say Tatum, as he's a much more efficient scorer for sure, efficient uh, shooter, he can create his own shot. Uh, Siakam still needs to have somebody get the ball to him at times. Um, He has never actually been the guy offensively ever at any level. So he's really, this is his first year where he's really more of a focal point offensive player where Tatum from his rookie year. He was, and he had that long playoff run where they went to conference finals game seven against uh, LeBron Cavs, where he played big minutes and got a lot of looks as one of the primary offensive options. This is the first go around at it. So, I understand why he's not as efficient. He's learning. He's learning some lessons that Tatum has likely learned over the first couple of years. And the growth rate Siakam is still growing at a much faster rate, even though he his. I mean, growth being like his overall performance and his numbers, even though he is a few years older. Uh, as Tatum came out as a freshman, and uh, Siakam was a uh, looking at his numbers. He's a saw at his age. um, he spent two years at New Mexico, so he's a little bit older when he came into the league. So Tatum now, but I wouldn't rule really like out Siakam potentially passing him just because of his trajectory.
1: Well, the, the the one thing, and you just mentioned it, it's it's actually a four year difference in age, and that really is what sets them apart for me. It's that Siakam, I think, is a uh, twenty seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I think that difference in four years, so if you look at Tatum's trajectory since he came into the league, there were two years where he was around similar stats, and then he made a big jump this year. Siakam's definitely been a lot more steady, and I like that from Siakam. I also like the fact that Siakam performed last year in the playoffs, and he has a championship where, you know, Tatum, he hasn't really necessarily done it for me in the playoffs, but the four-year difference is huge, and I don't think that can be overlooked, especially like the way I'm looking at this question is, who am I building a team with? Who am I looking at for the long-term? 100% it's Tatum.
0: Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that's even though they're clear age, there's an age gap, uh, Tatum is 98 born, so that would make him 22.
2: I mean, four years is a big, big difference. Four years is, is a big,
0: big difference, so... On the long, long other thing on the longevity alone, you go. What in doubt, go with the younger player. Uh, but Pascal's been on some like ridiculous growth trajectory, going from averaging three points a game to twenty two, twenty three points a game by his uh, fourth year is quite something. So I still believe there's a one higher level Siakam can take his game to become a much more efficient and better offensive player. I think that's still in him, and I think you will get to that. And when, if he does get to that, that could change the result. That could change things a little. That will change our result uh, our thoughts. But as of right now, hate him.:
1: Yeah, w- and what's really missing for Pascal right now is the Raptors offense isn't as complex and developed as what the Celtics offense is we're definitely a lot more dependent on our defense as a team and getting points off that defense in transition. Uh, so if you look at some of the video, Siakam doesn't necessarily get the ball in the same types of positions and with the same ability to do some of the things that they let Tatum do on offense. Also some of the offensive weapons, uh, we mentioned Jalen Brown and, um, and Kemba Walker playing with those guys uh, I think definitely helps him and opens things up for him a little bit more than it does. Siakam, you know he's still a big man playing, um, not I mean not necessarily in the lane, but I think he just has less chance to create offensively than than Tatum would in in the Celtics offense.
2: All right, so this once again the series starts uh, Sunday at one p.m. Uh, We'll probably come back and talk a little bit more about it in one of our episodes. Hopefully the series goes long enough that uh, it gives us a couple of opportunities to talk a little bit more uh, in depth. Um, Let's move on. The Toronto Blue Jays, as we mentioned earlier, they won against Baltimore. What was the final score? Final score was 5-4. 5-4, okay. So they're sitting in a playoff spot right now. Uh, they've been playing much better baseball off late. Uh, offense is picking up. Vlad is playing really well. What do you guys think? What are the chances? Mm,
0: well, better than I thought they were two weeks ago when I announced that they were not going to make the playoffs and it was just going to be a developmental year. Uh, so, And given that they have a wild card spot with a very limited number of games to go pretty good chances no guarantee but yeah definitely yeah, they have uh, they might as well uh yeah they can go for it i think they have a good chance and given the playoff formatting you never know how deep they can go
1: i mean i, I think my response when we were talking about if they should make an attempt at the playoffs was what's the point um I mean, it's, it's definitely worked out for them, but I still don't think they should do anything crazy, uh, just for the playoffs. And I don't think they will, but, um, like it, it, we just need to keep in perspective that I, we're not winning the world series. Um, so any moves that we make, you know, some cheap rentals are fine, uh, you know, somebody that we're going to have around for a few years, I, I'm okay with with doing that. But I, I don't want to mortgage the future for any reason, just to, just to maybe make it a make a little bit of a deeper run into the playoffs. It, it makes no sense. So, you know, the move that they made uh, that they made recently with uh, Taiwan Walker, um, like th- those level moves, I, th- I think are what what they should be doing. Just just something so they get some of these younger players some playoff experience.
2: Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I mean, if there's an opportunity to upgrade significantly, I wouldn't mind doing that. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, they're actually not a bad team this year. Overall, uh, the offense has been pretty decent. Uh, I was looking at their weighted runs created plus, and uh, as a team, I I think they're in the top 10 in uh, baseball. Um, So they're pretty decent around that. Uh, They haven't scored a ton of runs uh, relative to that, but I think that, could also a lot has to do with luck as well they're not striking out a lot as they did in the past I think they're in the lowest um, like I think they're ninth lowest in the league right now in strikeouts uh, the middle of the pack in walks Um, the BABIP is low and and I was curious is it because they're hitting a lot of ground balls but that is not the case so I I wonder there's some luck factor in there as well that it's a slightly even better offense than what we've come to see because if you look at the WRC plus that really doesn't jive in with um, the results, like in terms of runs scored and things like that. So there may be an extra game in this team right now.
0: Yeah. The offense has being got since the last time we talked about with the offense during that winning streak and beyond just got really, really hot. They still aren't a great on base team. I mean, they still have a team 318 on base percentage. which is just 22nd out of 30 teams. So their offense, true to form, like many other Jays teams in the recent past, have been dependent on the home run. They are fourth in MLB with 51 home runs this year. But defensively, they're definitely a better team than they were um, last season and last few years, really. I think mean, you got some younger players who are more mobile, And as they learn, they just, they learn better positioning and they make smarter plays. There were some issues early in the year of some boneheaded plays um, on defense and on the bases, but a lot of that has seemed to be cleaned up. Pitching, I mean, the bullpen has been fantastic. Really, really good. Um, The starting rotation, um, Ryu's been good. I still think Roark and Anderson, they haven't been great anderson's a little bit behind coming back from injury but i think both can be fine they definitely need to get some more innings for sure like their guys need to start going six innings minimum or they're going to blow their pen out this month i like the taewon walker deal for sure in terms of it's so it's it's so weird this time this deadline i mean I mean, you know, here's one thing. Everybody, everybody, think they didn't pay a lot of money for. I mean, they didn't. The acquisition cost for uh, Taiwan Walker wasn't that high, but the reason why it's a player to be named later is because teams can't trade players that aren't in that 60 man pool. So it could still be a decent prospect, but not on the 60 man. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. It it could have. It may. The acquisition cost may end up being not a decent prospect, just not on the 60 man. So we don't know what it actually was yet. Do you, so with rentals, I mean, I would cheap rentals. You know, like an extra bullpen arm, a back end rotation guy, maybe someone who could play third base uh, or utility hitter player that can hit a little more. They still have some offensive holes. Um, I mean, Guerrero's a little better, still has his challenges, but you want to keep playing him. But even if somebody like a Joe Panic who has been getting a lot of playing time with the pichette injury as a in the infield. Has not hit. Travis Shaw has not hit. So maybe someone who could play shortstop or third base and be serviceable offensively is a, but not where the acquisition cost isn't high. Or so, it, I mean, we don't know. The problem is we, do, we may not know what the rentals are for uh, the costs are for a lot of the trades that they make. But I would say either do those little stopgap deals just to, improve the foundation of the team a little more or if teams are open to having that discussion go for the big fish that's going to be around a few years like um clevenger if cleveland wants him out after his violation of covid rules i'll take that
2: so here's the thing i i think most for the most part uh, I, i agree and that's probably what jays must have thought as well that they can uh potentially add another bat but i think with the number of injuries they've had i think they've had to shift focus and probably fill the rotation a little bit hence going after taiwan walker i wouldn't be surprised if i see another arm in rotation um and in all honesty anderson and Roark have been what you would expect them from be like two back-end starters who might need uh, an opener every now and then and may not go beyond four or five innings so i i think in a, in a season like this i think they are what we expected them to, at least in my case. I, I really didn't expect anything more than that. Uh, I What I really wanted to see was uh, the young guys taking a step forward, right? And, and I mean, we've talked a lot, but Biggio, has seen, it seems like he's having a really good year again. Again, uh, the sample size for this year is going to be so small, so you don't know how meaningful anything is going to be, but you go by what you have right now. And, I mean, his weighted runs created is at uh, 149 for the year. Um, he's, um, like his on base is 397. He's hitting 275. Um, there's not a whole lot wrong with him at this point, like six home runs, uh, 15% walks, 19% strikeouts, which is a thing around the league average, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not that like, these guys are starting to make a lot more contact and, uh, Teoska is having a really good year. Like if you look at the five, six main hitters that you would have expected, uh, going into this year. They're, they're they're all above league average right now, so they, there's definitely been a step forward, um, in my opinion. Um, and uh, maybe adding a bad, adding a, like even rentals would probably do the job this year, uh, unless obviously yes, yeah. The big get, available
0: because we don't know how long Bichette's going to be out. Mark.
2: So he apparently started baseball activities. Uh, he was supposed to start this weekend, but he started yesterday. Uh, he's still not running or taking any ground balls, but uh, I think he hit off a tee yesterday. So
1: one thing I wouldn't mind seeing, uh, and I, I, I know you guys are, I think you guys are both okay with, with the young catchers, but I wouldn't mind seeing uh, a catcher that can hit a little bit or at least get on base. Um, you know, somebody to just, uh, to just give us a little bit more, um, more offense. Um and uh, one of the names that I was looking at is, is Jason Castro from the angels. Uh, you know, light hitting, but he gets on base uh, a decent amount. Um, he's, he, I mean, and he's only had uh, like 49 at bats this year, but, and hitting only two or four, but 320 on base. Um, just, just something to, to get your offense going a little bit more at the bottom of the lineup. Give something, give, give a base runner for your, your top of the lineup to move around a little bit. And he's also known as a good, uh, a a good framer of pitches so he can steal you some strikes at least too. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm always one of those guys that just likes having uh, a veteran catcher there just in case.
2: You know, I think I would agree with you in normal years. uh, The challenge is that if you acquire a veteran catcher, you're sending one of the young guys down and what are they going to play? Right? Like you need these guys to have some uh, time behind the plate uh, to develop. And that's the challenge. I think Um, I mean, Jansen's on-base isn't terrible. It's like 312 right now. Uh McGuire is struggling massively, but he's only had 34 plate appearances. So, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see an upgrade, but the challenge is if you send them down, what, are you, like, what do you do with them, right? Like, it's almost a lost year for them. And that's why sometimes I feel that because of the fact that they're not getting enough Playing time for their prospects this year, especially the ones who you would have expected to come in in 2021 or 2022 contribute in some way. Is it even worth bringing them up for some part of the year and have them get those at bats rather than like it, it was terrible watching Brad, like uh, Brandon Drury um, playing shortstop? Like, uh, I mean, I'd rather have Groshans come up and struggle because at least you know that he would see where he's at. And you're giving him some at-bats, which might be more useful than giving it to Brandon Drury, in all honesty. So I I even think that, you know, if you can get a rental, better than having Joe Panic or Drury, thankfully, mercifully got option today. (laughs) But, you know, rather than having those guys, just bring the guys up who might be part of the future in 2021-22, if not for anything except to give them some real at-bats or played appearances this year because you're not going to give them. So a lot of these guys are going to play next year if there is minor league baseball with a full one-year gap and the development falls behind pretty fast. Like in base, like hitting is really, really hard, right? Like, I mean, so sometimes I wonder if that may be the route to go.
0: I would disagree only for this reason. they These guys haven't played any games and then you're going to, Throw them right into the fire, facing big league pitching, who now have their month to sort of get stretched out and get their stuff. More yes, fine. but and, wouldn't you know, those
2: uh, plate appearances be more valuable to them than giving those fifty plate appearances think, to Joe Panic?
0: So if they were out of the play, oh, I wouldn't say play before Joe Panic. Yes, but in terms of making it, if you can make a deal that where it's a reasonable acquisition cost, dude, that would be the preferred approach i would take rather than bringing somebody up i mean if you did versus joe panic maybe i mean you can't get much worse. but i would prefer my preferred trade is trying to upgrade Uh, i like ron's idea of jason castro i mean okay yeah you can keep jansen you can send uh reese mcguire down although jason castro isn't great he is serviceable like um, If you could find someone, I'm just looking. thinking about some of the names. I mean, primarily it's pitchers out there right now, but I'm looking at um, infielders that are available. If there's anybody that's maybe called free agency for a month that you won't have to pay that much, I would go forward.
2: All right, so the series continues tomorrow. I think the Jays are playing uh, Orioles at uh, 1 p.m. EST tomorrow. Um should be interesting.
1: Yeah, but I'm I'm betting my house on that World Series one. What was it, 1.6% chance?
2: That is true. Uh, Let's look at your beloved Marlins. Where are they at? 0.2.
1: I like that. I'm putting money on each one of them. Maybe maybe a few thousand dollars to see where we can get
2: with that. (laughs) Hey, it never hurts. I once read about this... uh, um, guy who was a Leicester City fan uh, as a young kid and him and his father would always bet 20 bucks on Leicester winning the Premier League and they did that for 40 years and the first year in his life he didn't bet they won the Premier League so yeah, you never know.
1: I, I've told this story to so many people after I remember you telling me this before <laughs> and nobody believes it and I couldn't remember who it was that actually told me about that. <laughs> Now, now I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna look it up to make sure if anybody doubts what I'm saying, that I can actually show them the proof of it. I knew it was somebody that told me. And now I realize it was you.
2: You know, I like I. I read it somewhere. I think, and the guy moved to US, so he still had this habit of uh, p- placing a bet on Lester, and that was one year he didn't. I think it was one of the American newspapers, if I'm not mistaken. I'll find it. All right, so I think we've come to the end of our show. Any last words, guys? Go Raptors and wear a mask, folks. Awesome. So hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we should be back uh, with another episode sometime next week. Uh, please uh, subscribe uh, to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, we're on an, uh, almost every platform that uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, we should be available. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at uh, One Pod. Uh, I, I think we've we've gone past uh, uh, Barry Bonds now. I think we have over eight hundred followers. Yeah, so.
1: we're, we're over eight hundred followers now. So, yeah, so um, Barry
2: Bonds is in the background somewhere in a rearview mirror.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're we're leading MLB history in uh, in, in, in homers now. But um, just make sure you interact with us. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. You want to if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, just let us know. Uh, and uh, yeah, just. Uh, like all of our stuff uh, and yeah, we, we love the support.
2: All right. Thank you for listening. Have yourself a good night.
0: Thank you everyone.
2: Thanks. Are we finished? Done.